Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Everything that you ever wanted for Christmas. It's the movie show with Joel and Ryan. It's a winter Hi, wonderland here in the greater Twin Cities area this morning. For sure. It really is. Yes, we did. We got we got a good chunk of snow. It was glorious. And uh, and yeah, and we are ready to talk about some movies because you know what? It is is you know what i didn't queue up okay well hi everybody uh it, it, I, I, I welcome to movie show with joel and ryan i'm joel i'm ryan i'm shauna and shauna's back because of course it is movie club time the first rule of movie club is you talk about movie club the second rule of movie club is you talk about movie club that's right you talk about movie club that's the first rule and we are talking about movie club. Yeah. It's that it's that time of year. Now, let's see. Last year, what were the movies last year again? I know there was Prancer. Boy, do I know there was Prancer. Scrooged. What else did we? And Scrooged, yeah. And, and Prancer uh, the and um. Oh, if only I looked this this up. Do you remember Shauna? What that last movie was? It was a whole year ago, man. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> It must have been the good one, though, because there wasn't a super ton of love going around for Prancer or Scrooge, <laughs> if memory serves. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was. All right. Well, I'll have to go through the archives and uh, and see how, see what's going on. It was on one other famous holiday movie from a, kind of that era that none of us had seen. The idea last year was to watch ones we hadn't seen although you had seen Scrooge mm-hmm. Joel most people have yeah. I think it was kind of crazy that neither Sean or I had ever seen that because it's such a 80s kid staple movie you know but mm-hmm. we hadn't for whatever reason Bill Murray movie Richard Donner movie I hadn't seen that's the only one really probably for both of them mm-hmm. but oh I found I guess I found I'm a bit of a humbug here it is. Okay. Uh, let's see. Just quick downloading here. We, it was uh, Prancer, Scrooge, and The Ref. Oh, yeah. The Ref. The good one. 
Yep. Good one. The ref was good, folks. If you want a, a really different sort of holiday movie vibe, but it is nevertheless totally a holiday movie, mm-hmm. check out the late Ted Demi's uh, The Ref with Dennis Leary and Kevin Spacey. I know it sounds horrible, but it's great. You really should check it out. Yeah, it, that one, that one's fun. Yeah. Um, but this year, this year we are doing. Um, uh, we are not talking about Christmas specific movies. These are movies that have Christmas elements in them, um, and uh, holiday elements. Holiday elements. Yeah, one of them isn't really Christmas, but one of them is holiday. We won't reveal um, the holiday yet, but it has no, a great, great holiday scene in it. But it's more. It's uh-huh. not so Christmassy. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute, but let's, let's catch up with Shauna because we haven't seen Shauna for a hot tick here. How you been? I'm good. Thanks. How are you guys? Pretty good. Oh, you know, living the dream. We're doing podcasts and, uh, yeah, we do one every week. You know, we get together even when you're not here. I don't know if you know that, but that's a big mm-hmm. movie podcast schedule. But this is special because we have you here, and this is our last show of the year, traditionally. Wonderful. And yep, it's neat to have you back. Is it? Is it? Is it? How? What's it like in Ohio? Is it nice? It is about fifty-five degrees, and it rained most of last night and a mm-hmm. little bit this morning. And it's blue skies and kind of balmy. Yeah, mm. it's balmy out now too. We're supposed to get up to fifty degrees this week, but we got—I mean, we got Joel and I got six to eight ish inches last night. But like down by the mm-hmm. airport, they got twelve, sixteen, yeah. like a ton. So we were right on the edge of this big storm that just was mm-hmm. rain for you guys. Oh, it's kind of cool. Tell us—I—I I recognize the pin from last year, but the hat is different. But remind New us hat. what the pin is because it's kind of neat. I think it was my grandma's. Yeah. She passed it on to me. So I don't really have holiday hats. I don't know. I never see them anywhere. <laughs> would uh, you buy them if you did? I mean, uh, for the show, I would have, but I Joel- don't, I, maybe I just don't shop as much anymore. I don't and know. And of course, and of course, Shauna's grandma, in case you don't remember, Shauna's grandma is, of course, Mrs. Claus. So uh, <laughs> that's why uh, it makes sense that she's wearing that for that's this. That's awesome. Two degrees uh, or so. Yeah. One degree of separation. That's just two for us from Mrs. Claus, then, I suppose. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. I also have little tree earrings on. I don't know if you can see them. Oh, that's fun. It's a good look. I would, if I, I had wanted zoom, antlers, I... I am repeating myself from last year, but nobody remembers last year but me anyway. So, um, yeah, I wanted antlers, and I ordered them, and what I got was antenna with reindeer with antlers on top of them which is not what i wanted and i'm i You're really hate antlers this on hat. antlers yeah and it annoys me but it's all i have so mm-hmm. i also wore a scarf because you know ah that would have been good i should i could have done that i i of course am uh, rocking my festive uh holiday movie show background and uh and my uh purple minnesota viking santa hat um you know because uh that's what i had and it's festive it's holiday circa 2007 um, or whatever that has something yeah yeah somewhere around there it's 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 seen many many christmases at this point um the yeah, official and, movie and, show with joel and ryan uh christmas uh card photo is with has features that hat prominent that's 
That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. So, uh, so is everyone? Um, how does everyone feel about the holidays? Is everyone excited about the holidays? Uh, stressed out about the holidays? How do how does everyone do during the holidays here? I like the holidays. I always have liked them a lot. Although I admit it, when I get as I get older, and certainly in the COVID era, they've been kind of lonely and and present all kinds of weird challenges that we don't really need to get into. Everybody knows about those, but, um, but I still like them. I like when the commercials start, you know, around Thanksgiving, I, I like holiday commercials are stupid, but they're, they're like nice and friendly and they try and make you feel good, which I feel like mm -hmm. we get bombarded with such cynical, awful, like mean spirited punchliney stuff all year long, you know, that I, that, I, that like, oh, look, that that cat likes Christmas and that person remembers that other person and blah, blah, blah. It's like, ah, good. I, I feel I like that. I'm not cynical about that good feeling vibe that you get. I enjoy it. And I like the lights. And, you know, it's pretty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I like the snow. We got this big snow. And, I, I you know, if that when this same snow comes in february and i'm just gonna curse it all night long in my sleep yeah. but yeah last night i was like yay white christmas maybe mm -hmm. and it was well and it was well i mean this was a uh for a first major snowfall of the year this was a great major snowfall yeah uh at least in our because in our area we didn't get hit nearly as hard and it was it's light fluffy beauty you know beautiful snow everything is uh delightfully flocked yeah it's great snowman um, snow it's not gonna hang around for very long i don't think though. yeah yep yeah. um so that's yeah uh, that's just generically how i feel about them i you know that's why we do a holiday show around here because i think it's neat and yep want to get dressed up and you know, <laughs> i'm not going to sing a carol or anything but there you go well, that's yeah. Maybe well, maybe that'll be in, uh, its own. Maybe if we if we last to year five, if we make it to Christmas year five, of that the could podcast, be a good we'll... idea for your fourth uh, movie show TikTok. You've sort of not been keeping up with that lately. Yeah, it's because yeah, everything has been sort of uh, kind of bonkers uh, busy. But our TikTok yeah, fans are think... crying out. They want content. They demand it now. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I got well. I got spoiled with the aliens episodes and and my uh, my my uh, uh, D, uh, no uh, what was it um, uh, Drake and um, uh, Vasquez. Vasquez dolls that yes. uh, that were able you know that that was uh, you know that I was spoiled for content there. Plus, those TikTok um, fans were showing up for aliens. They weren't really showing up for us. That's always a hard lesson to learn. You know, you think you're Mr. Popular there for a while, but turns mm -hmm. out people just really love the alien movies. Not so much Joel and Ryan. We're, we're yep. just passing through <laughs> TikTok wise. Yeah, TikTok wise. Um, our, yeah, what about what about uh, you, Sean? Are you guys uh, doing anything fun for the holidays? Is it, is it a good time of year? Is it a tough time of year? Uh, it's good. We're having Jimmy's, my husband's mother over for, um, Christmas dinner on Christmas. And that'll be nice. She's moving to Indiana after the holidays from Cleveland. So mm. it's emotional, but exciting and good, you know, and Jimmy lost his father last year in June, uh, excuse me, January. So it's emotional too, but, but good. We, mm -hmm. we're pretty quiet you know we just kind of hunker down and 
eat, have a fire. But and, it's, and yeah. the beagles, do they like Christmas? Pretty exciting. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because you know they get stockings too. <laughs> so treats for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We used to buy. Well, I think my folks bought my dog a bone once a year, and it was at Christmas. And they would wrap it, and it would just sort of slowly take it apart it was the funnest thing to watch obviously dog people here you know i could just watch a dog like just drinking water you know because they get so into it Mm -hmm. and i'm like that's awesome they're so passionate about water you know it's funny what uh and odd but my dogs my uh boy beagle rudy he has a um uh he licks he laps water in a a pattern oh yeah of threes so lap 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 pause lap 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 pause <laughs> and it's so funny Posey, awesome. the girl is all over the place but i'm like my my boy dog laps in morse code <laughs> that is awesome that's an awesome dog trivia because dogs are awesome i don't know any yeah. dogs in our movies coming mm-hmm. up here? oh yep there is one. Oh yeah yeah you know yeah, in fact i was gonna i was gonna lean in and go hey shauna that's a nice dog you got there <laughs> That's a, that's a nice dog you got there. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry Oof. about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, we, uh, I, I think I've shared this. Uh, I'm sure I have it somewhere in our four years here. Uh, the the holidays used to be a very tough time for me. I used to uh, have a, a very hard time, very stressed out time. Uh, I it wasn't until I was um, uh, I got to be in. Um, the Guthrie Theater's traditional uh, uh, production Carol. of a, a Christmas Carol, um, that being part of being part of something and and seeing the audience every night and getting to do that show, I mean, and, and that show you pretty much you know we're doing nine ten shows a week of that, so it was a lot of just a lot of being at the theater and um, a lot of kids in the in the cast and stuff, and so. Uh, getting to be a part of that, seeing it through uh, those those kids' eyes, put, seeing it through my own son's eyes when, when uh, he started to really get into Christmas, um, you know that it, it really turned me around. And now I, yeah, now I really love it. It's um, that's it's, pretty cool. It's a super. That's what yeah. It's a that's what Dickens would have wanted, mate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really do. Uh, it. It, it, it's really, um, I, you know, I, I remember taking the, the, you know, when I, when I was offered the part and it was obviously, it was very exciting. Uh, and, um, you know, I remember going, well, you know, I don't, this will be fun. It'll be nice to have a distraction. It'll be nice to have something to do during the holidays. Nice to get, get the paycheck normally, coming in at the end. Yeah. Of the year. Yeah. It'll be good. And, you know, and I, so I'm like, yeah, and this will be, this will be fine. It'll just, you know, give me something to focus on instead of how the, you know, the, the holidays usually stress me out. Um, and it ended up just making me just um, just absolutely love well, Christmas and, you, and the holidays. And you're not going to say it, apparently, but you played most of that time. You kind of had various things that you did with Christmas Carol, but mostly you yeah. played Ghost of Christmas Present. And oh, Ghost right. of Christmas Present is special. Truly, yeah, was... when I, whenever I – that to me, that's the – I don't want to say it's the heart of Christmas Carol because that all sort of comes later, but it's – it, it's the he's brings the wood you know i mean they all, all the ghosts sort of rough scrooge up a little bit but that speech that you know that classism speech that 
the harshness mm-hmm. of the world. These two yeah. children, you know, it's just it's it's Dickens rage at injustice that's coming out and it's really really powerful it still is to me there's that passage you probably know it by heart but i i just i love it i really do love it that's again that's another thing where the christmas carol is part of christmas in a very ingrained way and i Mm -hmm. i'm grateful for that because there's real meat in that story you know truly and every time somebody does it when the simpsons do it when happy days does it when everybody does their version of it, you know, and it, 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 even if you try to avoid it, you can't help but get meaning in there because of the way that story is. And I, I love it yeah. for that reason. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I love it. it. It was a great time. Um, and it was a great way to spend the holidays. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's a good time and, you know, and we'll, you know, we're lucky we have uh, family all living nearby. And so we'll, you know, we'll be able to get together with them and yeah, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. Um, all right. Well, maybe we should jump into a little bit of, uh, of movie club. No, I won't do it again. I won't do it again. <laughs> never. You can never do it too many times. Movie. Club. Okay. Well, here we go. All right. Let's jump into it. Proper. Isn't this we are the gonna do... shorter version than the original version anyways? Oh, Slightly very edited. much so. Yeah, very okay. much so. I think I, I don't want to hear the nine minute super mega mix version of it ever again, but you can play <laughs> that little, he only says it twice version anytime you want, dude, go ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. It is a movie club Christmas. And it is time to get it going. The first rule of movie club is you talk about movie club. The second rule of movie club is you talk about movie club. That's right. Um, so like we said, these are movies that um, we, we chose three movies that uh, hopefully most of us hadn't, you know, a majority of us uh, have not seen. Um, and they have some sort of Christmas tie-in, or I should say holiday season tie-in, but they're not Christmas movies, but they have some sort of holiday element to them. Um, And the first movie up is uh, the 2002, uh, based on a book by Nick Hornby movie, directed by the Whites Brothers, About a Boy. With Hugh Grant and uh, see Tony Collette and uh, uh, Rachel Weisz and a young um, young Nicholas Holt before he uh, before he became I guess Beast and all these other things that he, um, that he Mad Max Fury Road man that's my favorite Nick yeah Holt. Mad Max Fury Road yeah that's that's a good that. Nick Holt. Um, I, I didn't know this was Nick Hornby or I would have watched this long ago. I guess that was advantageous for the show because I'd never seen it. Cause I th- just thought, Oh, uh, you know, Hugh Grant, like love actually sort of soils me on Luke, uh, on Hugh Grant. Not that I dislike him, but just like you, you dude, you really truly can't be trusted. You are in a lot of really <laughs> terrible garbage and, and maybe you might elevate that. You know what I mean? Cause you're a pretty good actor, but this is a neat, this was a neat role for him. It's, Nick's really great. I think of all the Nick Hornby movie uh, mm-hmm. adaptations I've seen, this is still probably my least favorite <laughs> because I oh, think yeah? Nick's really profound writer. And this feels like a, I don't know what it is, but it feels like a kind of early thing of his 
but I still loved it. I loved his perspective yeah. on life and I love the, I love how, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of just took this over, but I was just excited to talk about this because I really mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Um, I love how his, his characters, and this is for all of his characters, whether they're, whether they start out really innocent and admirable or whether they're just this, like he was in this film, this well-worn, cynical, sort of selfish guy, but it's not, you still like spending time with him because of his wit, because his observations on life while kind of on the dark, sad side. They're still fairly mm -hmm. have some wisdom to them, I guess, if that makes any sense. And but it's mostly because of his wit. It's funny what you can get away with if you're clever and witty and charming. Like you can really be, as this movie proves, a pretty self-serving, you know, douchebag, and and yeah. will root for you. And I that's what I loved most about it was, and and yet he didn't make him this evil, awful person like Scrooge who needed to be redeemed. The film's much more subtle and more human than that, which is the other thing that's wonderful about it. The people come in and out, and they start out as mm -hmm. these foils for him, but they evolve into real, living, breathing people before our eyes, so by the time we're spending the holidays with them in a super, super pivotal scene mm -hmm. for everybody involved, like it... it and even, but even that, like, not in the most obvious way, you know, it's not like, it's not like the holiday confrontation. It's, it's weirder and sloppier and clumsier than that. And that's what's wonderful about it. It's what feels true about it. So yeah. I love Nick and I thank you for suggesting this movie and sticking with it because it was good. Yeah, I'm I'm a big about it. I I love the book. Um, I love you know I I Nick Hornby's uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, and so I uh, and and I loved how this I loved this adaptation of the book. Uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty faithful adaptation. Um, uh, yeah, an abbreviation it, it, more than a deviation. yeah. It's an abbreviation. Yeah, it's just the beats are all pretty much the same. Um, yeah, I yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of of this movie. This is a movie that gets watched for me usually at least once a year. Um and uh yeah, it's got it yeah, it's it's really great. Um I just a real, you know, uh real quick plot synopsis and then I want to get to what, you know, get to Shauna and 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 her thoughts on the film. Uh you know, Hugh Grant plays a guy who doesn't have to work for a living cuz he lives off of the royalties of a Christmas song his dad wrote. So he is, he has a beautiful London flat, drives a fancy Audi, I think, a, you know, fancy car. He's and, not an absurdly you know, rich guy, but he just, he lives a very comfortable, like lawyer's comfortable. sort of doctor's mm -hmm. income life without having to do a single thing to earn it. And yep. it's, that's conveyed in a very believable and, and kind of interesting way. Yep. And then on the flip side, you have Tony Collette's character, uh, who is she's the mother to this to Nick Holt and she uh, Nick Holt's character and um, uh, Marcus and her character, Tony Collette's character is, uh, you know, a very much a free spirit, um, you know, kind of kind of quasi hippie ish, uh, but also suffers from crippling depression. 
And, um, and of course that is going to affect this teenage boy as well. And how he, you know, he had, uh, adapts to the world, uh, as he's growing up, um, <laughs> um, will, uh, Hugh Grant's character joins a single parents alone together group, uh, to meet chicks, to meet, um, to meet women. <laughs> and in his women. defense, he doesn't, he doesn't just plan this talking about movie yeah. club right or the fight club yeah. clip it's very similar to that idea um or that idea where they go to all these self-help groups early in the story just to get emotionally fulfilled by pretending yeah. you know for the attention he is introduced to a divorcee with a with a, a pair of kids i want to say or at least a kid who mm -hmm. he goes through this whole relationship with them and and Right at the time where he's about to break up with them, they break up with him first and let him completely off the hook. And he realizes that these divorced single parents, like, it's all kind of hot and straight to the business and it's all um, whatever. And, and in the end, they have, like, you're not the thing that they're into. They have all these other responsibilities and things they care about in their life. So... Their, the big appeal is that they're easy to escape from relative to what he's used to. So his idea mm -hmm. is, what, so he comes to this ring like, yeah, divorced women, that's the new thing. That's my new deal. But how do I meet them? You know, this I was set up on this. And, and he sees a sign, right? Mm -hmm. Hanging in a window somewhere. It says, what's, a yep. parent, what's the group called? Spat. Single parents alone together. Single parents, parents alone, alone together. together. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so he goes there. And of course, he goes in there. And then they're like, tell us about your child. And he's like, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. And <laughs> so he comes up with this, this whole like, this fake child that he has to have so he can attend these groups. Fake, um, and perfect, that's how perfect two and a half year old child yeah. who speaks in complete sentences and is very <laughs> attuned to pop culture and psychology. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's reflecting about his son. You know, he's yeah. this to toddler baby and he's speaking, you know, he's telling his father profound sentence yeah it's my sentence. my favorite thing is like that's amazing for a two and a half year old and he was little is it is it <laughs> <laughs> yep um so yeah and 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 through you know so through this group that's how he uh he and uh tony collette's uh pat you know their paths cross um he meets uh tony collette's son marcus and uh a strange bond starts to uh starts to develop between will and marcus and um and this guy you know i don't want to get you know we're, we're going to try to do these pretty spoiler free uh so you know it but what, what i think i can say is will's uh hugh grant's characters very isolated as he says his and uh, you know all you know I'm, he is an island his very singular lifestyle uh he starts to that you know that idea starts to uh fall apart a little bit and um creating uh and through through this relationship with um this uh this young this young man um and and the the connection that they have with uh uh, is kind of seeing they're both kind of do some growing up and 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 uh, Will's uh, island becomes a, a little bit more populated. 
A lot and, of voiceovers, um, you know, but the Grant's character yeah, definitely has a ton of voiceovers, but Holt's character has voiceovers too. I think they're the only two. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, the movie, yeah, the movie's kind of told, and as is the book, it's told, you know, from dueling, uh, dueling first person, um, you know, characters. But it, ha- go, it has know, this great, which is in a lot of Nick's work. I only know the screen work. You, you all know, I don't read much. I'm too busy watching <laughs> movies, but it, it, there's this thing where the, there's this, and Joel maybe can back me up on this. He's read more, but it in the films, these moments where they have these ideas, it's there. It's really, really interesting where a character like, like Grant's idea about divorced women like that and how he kind of works it all through. And Nick's character has a similar one that is really lovely. I bet just as a piece of prose, but he's, Gosh, you, it's the problem is there's only two of us. It's just me and my mom. It's like this is a numbers game and it can be fixed by adding what he says is a third person. I think you need at least three people. Three is the minimum. And then, yeah. you know, I, and then, when, then I can not be here all the time and somebody else will be around to watch over my mom. It's, it's this simple idea that ends up being a profound and specific thing by the time the movie's over. But I love the way they, I love the way it's because this is across these films that I've seen where they kind of, you get them hmm, and then they're sorting it all out. And I always think that's yep. neat. So. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a plan. A, a plan is hatched and it's the magic of a plan sort of going awry where the growth really happens. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's really great. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would love to hear um, Shauna's thoughts on about Eboli. Uh, really quick. I don't know if you heard kind of a boom and I looked, we're having a windstorm. So <laughs> if she oh. falls on our house, I might need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> if we hear sirens and you run away, we'll know why. Yeah, well, and we'll be able to answer that age old question. If a tree falls on a podcast, does, does it, it make it sound right <laughs> does it does it get more listeners right. <laughs> the excitement i might bring my computer along with and show you guys there you go oh man action right uh action so, podcast yes you never know what you're gonna get when i when i <laughs> join you guys uh about a boy i really liked it as well um it funny because the story there's parts that are kind of improbable which for me I don't always have a lot of patience for but uh kind of what you were talking about about Hugh Grant's wit and that also kind of smooths those a little bit in a way so I can kind of let that go and still enjoy it um but I really liked the boy's character Marcus he um was very real and deep you know it brought a very realness to this movie where Hugh Grant is kind of frivolous and 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 witty but no responsibilities he doesn't have to consider anybody else in his life uh he's made it that way and very superficial you know with other people um and I don't want to spoil anything but through Marcus's uh relationship with his mother um and as he and Hugh Grant's character start to get to know each other uh it's they let each other kind of any into each other's 
worlds. And Marcus is all consumed with his mother's depression. And um, Hugh Grant has never seen anything like this. He's never experienced it. And I just feel like the way that they explored that um, and both characters grew because I feel like Hugh Grant's character also showed the boy like, okay, you know what? You can't be completely consumed with this either. You know, so it was almost like uh, how they both were taught them how to kind of meet in the middle for the betterment of both of them. And I thought Tony Collette did a great job being a complete mess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of my it's it's one of to me uh, as as a person who has uh, had a, a diagnosis of depression for boy, 20 some years, uh, it it. it it's my mine has never become that bad uh and and uh as but it's a really accurate representation i think of depression um where it is it's not you're just sad all the time it's you have you have stretches of of normalcy i mean there's the manic depressive uh, uh you know that is a type of depression where you're just like ah, up and everything and then you crash and it's really really hard but for the most part, I mean, for the most part, it's, yeah, you're, you know, you can, you can function most of the time and everything's good. And then you just have these unexpected, uh, really, you know, huge bouts of, of sadness and despair and, and everything. And, um, and I just thought that that was a really, it's, I've always thought that it, it, uh, at least to me, it's always felt really, um, you know, pretty accurately portrayed, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of how depression is portrayed in a film, yeah, um, the symptoms so, of it and the presentation of it, and also mm-hmm. I think they did a really good job of showing that when somebody that has depression like that and they're functioning functioning you know normally, everybody's just waiting for the next episode to happen. Yes. So, you, you know, you're not just like, oh, okay. Let's, oh, let's we made try. it through that. It's, it's, no. it, yeah, it, it's. Everybody's worrying about it. The person that has depression, everybody that lives with that person and loves mm-hmm. that person and worries about that person is just waiting. When is the next episode and how bad is mm-hmm. it going to be? And how and am of I course. It? And I yeah. think I really liked um, the relationship between Tony Collette and Marcus Um, and how they came to talk about it because in the beginning you know they didn't really but as the show went on their relationship part of that they really kind of dove into that and showing how a a parent with depression could talk to their child and try to deal with it you know yeah because of course you know at the beginning we get you know it's a parent who doesn't want to burden their child with with you know with talking about you know it's like trying to trying to keep it from and then in and uh, without recognizing that maybe the child is old enough to understand it and and because already you know marcus is trying to trying to take steps to to fix to 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 because of course he sees his mom he sees fiona in pain and he wants to you know like any good kid he just wants to fix it and help and do what he can oh there's, just, there's yeah, a it's just great. there's a very 
it's 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 a sort of a symptom of narcissism, but it's really just a symptom of having a big ego that Hugh Grant's character has throughout the movie, where it's everything is the worst ever. I'm the worst. This, that was the worst. This, like you know, it's you have to. It's in a weird reverse way. You have to think a lot of yourself to think that something you did was the worst thing that was ever done, even if it was bad. And mm -hmm. there's this moment where he, again, very clumsily, but with good intentions, comes to meet her at one of these uh, meetings fairly late in the movie without spoiling all of it in the context of it. She pulls him aside. Everybody at the meeting remembers him. They all know he's a liar now. <laughs> like the whole thing's super uncomfortable. Oh, it's so great. It's really wonderful. But the, and without spoiling the really funny, awesome moment in that, I'll skip past that to get to the moment that really resonated with me, which was he's like, so I'm just whatever. I'm just doing everything wrong. And okay, I admit it. And she's like, you're not doing everything wrong. You're here. That's a huge part of it. And... Mm -hmm. It, it's let go there. They don't dwell on that moment, but it it stuck with me. You you showed up. You're giving it a try. It, it was, you know, it's so good that they let it go. You know, they yeah, didn't. They don't. But anything. it still it still jumped out at me as a highlight of of the sort of lesson of the movie. Which you know, the movie's not too preachy, but it, you're you're you know this what it can't be the worst thing ever because you're here and you're trying. And I just feel like yeah. that's, that's something we can all take a little comfort in that idea. And that that yeah. at minimum is what we should all try and be for those, the people that we care about, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really great. We haven't talked at all about um, the Christmas about Rachel Weiss's character. And the, well, yeah. And the, 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 the holiday element. Of I know it. you're a big Rachel Weiss fan. I am too, but you don't really need it. She's not, I love her so much. She's anyway, great and um, she's good in this. She has to be because she's brought she's yeah. brought in in a novella area of the film. Like she in a movie, in a proper movie, she needs to be a part of this thing way earlier for it to right. be meaningful and that's one where place where it's not bad. It's just it's one place where structurally it sort of falls down a little bit. Mm -hmm. We don't spend a lot of time with her. We don't have enough time to get invested in a third complex relationship. So it ends up not being a complex relationship. But she does yeah. thematically represent something important, which is his... He, despite himself, and this is kind of how it happens. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But... You, you just find yourself really into that one person and it's hard. You can make a list of their pros and cons and, and think about what the qualities of them that you love, but it sort of happens to you, you know, in this strange way. He's obviously been attracted to people. He's trying to have relationships. So for a guy who likes to be on his own, the whole movie starts with this idea that at least he wants to be around people and, you know, wants yeah. to get lucky occasionally if nothing else. She does something else to him. And it's neat. It's kind of cool. It's, I feel like it's repeated though. He, he's got to come clean with her. He's got to be honest with her. Like he's already done all this stuff with these other characters at this point. Right. But not completely right. though. I yeah, mean, maybe not like, with the woman, the first single woman, single parent woman, he didn't come clean with her. No, really. You know, he didn't say, I don't actually have a child, you know, and isn't, it, is isn't it her that, that at the where the big confrontation at the Christmas scene that we haven't even really <laughs> talked about happens, yeah. right? She comes yeah. in. They're having actually a, a awkward but decent enough Christmas above the median 
in terms of Christmas quality. And, yeah. <laughs> and she comes into it and he's not come clean with her. They're, this, they're, this is the first time they're facing off where the truth is between them and they've not seen each other. And he, he, he kind of does the right thing. He apologizes. This is what I would do. He apologizes. He tries to extricate himself from the situation to bring the peace back to the, the, the Christmas holiday. And it's Nick, right. That steps in and says, Nicholas, the, uh, what's his character's name? Marcus. Yeah, Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, he's the one who says, "Hey," he's like, "No, no, she, your mom's right. She's right. I, I, this, I, you know, they just." She's like, "That's right. She deserves to be upset." She says that like three times in the scene, and he's like, "Well, whatever. I invited him, and he's staying. Like he cause puts his foot down in this great way." And then, yeah, the scene goes on long enough that somebody says something funny. I don't even remember what it is, but they all laugh at it. And they can go on with their Christmas together. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that, mm-hmm. That's there's more to that scene than that moment, but that's the big moment that we shouldn't let about a boy slip by yeah. without mentioning that that Marcus sort of demands that he not run away in that moment. And like I said, I don't right. even think running away is a bad choice, but yeah, and it, it's there, a it's a rite of passage scene. for a kid to finally say. Here's the thing. I want this. This nurtures me, and you're all just going to have to tolerate it, whether you mm-hmm. have a right to be mad or not. And and they do, and that's cool. That's family. Yep. And there, and there's also you know, and it's also a, a a great scene because you're you're watching Marcus open these, you know, what not they're not exciting gifts. No. Uh, but Marcus is opening them as if they're and, and he's receiving them with just the utmost joy and and the you know that wonderful spirit of receiving a gift from someone you love and and that someone has at least put a little bit of thought into it and has given you something that and and you know will is watching this just sort of in awe of him just being able to to go you know because he's got two watching. or three of the greatest kid gifts you could possibly bring right. like he yeah, and from a gift quality standpoint, he nails it. But you never even see him open his gifts. He like says what they are. I don't know if that means anything, but mm-hmm. they show him opening these sort of, and it's neat. His left to his own devices. If this kid wasn't bullied all the time, if he wasn't worried all the time, and he takes the bullying in stride. He's not. It's not a movie about the trauma of of. You know, being cha- having candy thrown at you at school or whatever, but he gets bullied every day. Even the kids who like hanging out with him have to say, "Hey, mate, sorry. Before we hung out with you, we didn't. We were like we were kind of doing okay, and now we get bullied all the time because they're bullying you, and we're gonna have to. Sorry, so we're gonna have to call this quits. And he's like, he's all kind of yeah. like he's sad, but he's kind of understanding about it. It's just, it's it's sad without being, you know, too heavy handed and the bullies are mean without being evil, you know, it's interesting. It's totally that whole section is interesting and I kind of dig it. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, I mean, it's, it's a really, it's a fun movie. It's got a, you know, there's a lot to it. uh, And um, a lot of talk and there's a lot of great stuff in the talk and that I love a movie like that. I really do. Mm Mm-hmm. I like a movie where there's no talk and you got to figure it all out and puzzle it together. That's neat too, but I I don't watch enough of the 
talky ones. And I think it's because the trailers are always super talky and they always sound sound bitey. And I think that turns me off. But mm-hmm. this movie's really well written. Nick's a really, really good writer. And, and it's uh, directed by Chris Weitz and his brother. And they're pretty talented mm-hmm. guys. And it's neat. Yeah, uh, decent decent soundtrack by Badly Drawn Boy. Uh, oh, yeah. That's, you know, yeah. Sorry, your, go ahead, Shauna. Your point about talky movies, I don't usually like those either for the same reason. You see the trailer and I, I think I always think, oh, they're showing the best parts, the best, you know, and with this one, it's not like that at all. It's talky through the whole thing, but it's meaningful and it's real and, you know, witty and sad and you know angry I, it just kind of the way they move through the movie is very natural the talk and it, it's it's and there are certain points that are just really quite brilliant you know that you really laugh or you really feel about it but it, it's I don't know it's not like your typical talky movie to be talky right or, and even the profound know. moments like you mentioned aren't they're not blah, they're they yeah happen and you sort of gracefully move on from them and because the next thing always happens and is around the corner and it, it's very neat that way it's the ultimate sort of dramedy to mm-hmm. use that kind of lame classification but fits it hard to call, it's us... very funny but it's hard to completely call it a comedy because it, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. it, it it feels no the film feels no pressure to keep delivering on the comedy front when it when it isn't it's still working great and it's this great yeah. mix, you know, I like it. Yeah. Um, and it gives us the uh, iconic song, Santa Super Slay. <laughs> the song within the show, the movie. Yeah. That's yeah the, it is. Yeah. That is the song that his father wrote. When it's that. playing at the grocery uh, store. That's my favorite. Oh, when it's playing at the grocery store. Yeah, it's so great. Um, all right. So let's, uh, let or us when move he's talking on. about how much he hates it and Nick and uh, the kid's like, wait a minute. No, that's pretty good. Actually. <laughs> it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's hard to write a song um, that endures, you know, but it, but a lot of people, stories follow this guy's story where, you know, you write the one thing, you spend the rest of your life like chasing after that. And you might write a bunch mm-hmm. of great songs, but there's also a, a Nick Hornby knows his music truly. And the film demonstrates yeah. that he, uh, you know, he, he tells that story in a very neat way and also, you know, uses it again with has great metaphorical value that I think is kind of neat. So, Yeah. It's uh yeah it about a boy it's great if you haven't seen it it's you know and it was up for uh, some Academy Awards some other awards it, I don't believe it won anything but it was up for like screenplay and some other stuff um so yeah it's a it's a it's a wonderful wonderful little film for the holidays or any other time um all right moving on to uh see i there's this is a hard segue to, to 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 make it's hard to go from about a boy to um well we're gonna go we're gonna talk about another boy they have some similarities Maybe. actually yeah oh no, no i know yeah they're they're you know yeah they're pretty much uh these each man is an island yeah uh the, the next uh the next guy we're gonna talk about uh is uh bob saganowski from the movie the drop the drops trivia is that it was the last film released uh with james gandolfini in it 
Um, and it wasn't a big hit or anything, but it wasn't a big bomb or anything. It clearly doesn't cost very much, but it's got a lot of very popular people for the day and still rather kind of hot ticket names in it. Um, it's not a Christmas movie. It does take place during the holidays from about the, like the day after Christmas ish until the Super Bowl, I guess is, is the time period of the thing. So it's, it's a end of December, January, snowy, icy type film. And and but it's a crime drama, and even we'll talk about we won't talk much about the crime stuff because that's the least interesting stuff in the movie. But it's still the stuff that the the movie follows the crime drama template, and you just want to be aware that that you know so you're not. Well, I'm not going to ruin any of the surprises, but so that you're not shocked by the violence or the implied the like the threatening that's very very real that goes on through it that sort of thing these are all kind of low life characters all of them really every single one of them um that's part of the appeal you know it shows you that even these low level crime guys money laundering guys as they ended up being and they all have a rather complex backstory that reveals itself throughout the film but they're just kind of guys too in this very sad way um the film stars as it were tom hardy i think it, you you guys can disagree or agree with, but i just love this performance by tom it's so it's something about it i still i'm not sure what it is but i just really really mm-hmm. like it it's it's i can see why he thought it was appealing to him and 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 I like it. And I always super like when um, Numi Rapace shows up and stuff. And I think she's great in it too. Gandolfini's great. And who's the other person? That, oh, well, Matthias, the the Danish actor, Matthias Schoenhartz is fantastic in it. He's not recognizable in it, honestly. He's I'm used to seeing him in, in costume dramas and stuff. He plays this really scary sort of street thug guy who's just... Probably, I mean, I don't want to psychoanalyze him too much because he's a. The movie uses him as a weapon, but his 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 villainy is clearly comes from this place of deep self hatred and insecurity, and that makes him more human, but not in a fuzzy way. It makes him more human in a much much more dangerous way, if that makes any sense. And I thought he was super mm-hmm. effective. And the other guy, who's the guy who plays the the cop that they go to the same church. I loved him too. Yeah. He's always good. Is, from the uh, yeah, John Ortiz. John Ortiz, who literally his screen credits are because he's played just weird guys and just goofy nonsense all the way to real heavy stuff and, you know, really harsh dramas and stuff. And he just, he can do it all. He's such a, he's one of Hollywood's great utility players. And this cop that he plays in this, is a tricky dude and has a lot of substance to it. So it's a story of this bar that is owned by the Chechnyan. I believe I said that correctly. Mm-hmm. Mob. Chechen. Chechen. No, yeah, I guess. Not Chech, well, not Chechen, not Chechnyan, not Chechnyan. Yeah. Chechen. You Chechen. don't call people yeah. from Ireland, Irelandians. <laughs> This is a quote yeah. from the movie. That's so, so funny. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All good mob movies have great mob dialogue, and that scene is is fantastic. It's really, really fantastic. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Chechen. So anyway, they're super bad guys. I'm sorry, Chechnya and Chechens, but you, for Hollywood purposes, you are just pure evil. And um, 
Well, I've never seen a good movie about one. Yeah, there's there's very few. Uh, and, and they got to We got to keep at it. The, the Chechenians have to continue to be evil. So eventually we can get the movie about the Chechen that everyone, <laughs> the Chechen that everyone thinks is evil, but is really a good guy. We have right. to. We're not quite at that point yet. We're still right in the, the Chechens as thugs. Uh, uh, we're rich but, into that vein. But these old style sort of Italian. I don't know what they're sort of a mixed Italian, Irish, you know, New York family are are have been reduced to because of various story mechanisms they explain throughout they've they just run this bar a bar they used to own they used to be low-level actual crime bosses now they're just glorified bar managers the bar still has james gandolfini's name on it but it's not his anymore there's this sense of failure and the way people deal with their own faults and failures, like you see, the movie provides you with several different examples of it. And the way Gandolfini deals with it, it in a way, it's it almost should have worked, and it but it doesn't. It, he's like his, mm-hmm. he's like this Greek character who's just cursed and knows it and and expresses it in all these horrible ways. Gandolfini's fantastic, and you know he's. He's just so good in roles like this. You know, I don't think he wanted... I mean, he was really good at just playing mean bad guys, and he was really good at this or that. But the guys he played late in his career, and he's still a young man when he was taken from us, but relatively, the roles he played, there were these dudes who, you know, there's this guy, and without going too off track, but he plays this assassin character in this um, this other film that came out around the same time, where he shows up, and he's all sort of bravado and false bravado as this assassin who's been killing all these people. And he doesn't fail. He fails in this clumsy, sad way. He 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 doesn't decide he doesn't want to. He doesn't... It's not like a Chow Yun fat action movie where he has to kill somebody and he just is tortured by it and changes his mind at the last second. Like, he hangs out at his hotel room. He plays video games. He procrastinates. He doesn't show up for the first time he's supposed to kill the person. And then he... And then he sort of, the the guy who's been hired to replace him finds him in a bar and actually gets him to leave town so that there isn't any mess-ups. It's like, it's just sad and pathetic. And I think it's weird that James was drawn to these types of guys. This guy, I can't tell his story in a neat nutshell because I feel like it would ruin too much of what you find out during the movie, but he's sad. And I gotta say, Tom Hardy's character feels pretty sad, too. But there's real danger yeah. involved. That not a lot of money was stolen. Um, but this bar is a drop house, and they never know how much money they're going to have there. It's not just the night's take. These Chechen gangsters are pissed that however many hundreds of bucks or thousands of dollars were stolen. But the reality is, as a drop point, and this is where the term the drop comes from, it's, it's one of those great, simple titles that has several meanings, but... That place could have had hundreds of thousands of dollars in it, or at least 50000 like a lot of money, money that would be missed. And the fact that it got hit in a robbery is a big deal to everybody. It puts a lot of pressure on everybody, gets people sniffing around where you don't want, I guess. The, but the inciting, so that feels like the traditional inciting incident. But in my mind, the soul of the thing, the real inciting incident is when Hardy's character's walking home, he hears a dog crying. And he looks around for it, and he finds this. Is it a, is it a pit bull? Yeah, a he finds puppy. a, a yeah. puppy, a pit bull pup in a garbage can. That's clearly he's 
chewed up a little bit, and he's clearly been abused somewhat. And his custodialship of the puppy leads him to all these sort of different places that he wouldn't have explored on his own, left to his own devices, because he's he's got some ghosts he's trying to exercise as well, and he's doing it the old-fashioned way, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Chime in, you guys. What do you think? <laughs> if I may, um, yeah. I love Tom Hardy's and his character, what he did with the character in this. And I think um, I really, you know, I, I really like him as an actor, but in this movie, his performance is so quiet that you almost don't realize how good it is. And <laughs> for me, it's he, in the beginning of the movie, he presents himself as a very simple person to the point you're wondering, you know, is he maybe a lower IQ level? You know, really, I, just the way he talks and the way and slow, but very simple. Um, very deliberate communicator. People, yeah. Very straightforward to the point that it almost seems simple. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but as you go through this, you know, and, and he finds the dog and the dog had been beaten. Um, really quite bad. That's a hard part to watch. It's, you know, very sad as a dog lover. It's very difficult to watch, but you can do it. (laughs) You get, I got Mm -hmm. through it. Um, But then you see him really start to care about the dog, you know, and his relationship with the dog grows. And through the dog, he meets a woman and, you know, a romantic interest in that grows and so where you're thinking this guy is very simple you're starting to see these other relationships and you're like wait a minute this is deeper than I would have thought this guy would experience something so but he still for the most part acts very simple and speaks very simple straight you know Mm -hmm. truthfully and you don't really think he could be a bad person And then you start learning a little bit about his past and, you know, his connection to people and who he knows and what's happened in the past. And, and you realize there's so much more to this character than you ever would have thought. And it's, it's the beauty of John Hardy or Tom Hardy's performance. Um, It just, and it's very quiet and it just builds well, and I think it's very, just to interject briefly, but I think it's very, I think it's on the page how cleverly the film reveals these people to you. The, the Where the reveals come, who's talking to who when they happen. Like, it's just, it, it, it's not, these aren't surprises. They're, it's, it's not shocks. It's, you're just constantly surprised by people the way you are when you get to know them in real life. That to me is the magic of the way the thing flows is, is you find yourself getting invested. You're it's interesting enough movie that you get invested kind of right away, but you know, finding an abused dog, the fact that the, that the girlfriend and the dog have the same abuser is a little convenient, but the, you know, from a story standpoint, but the, Mm -hmm. the point is it, you really do get to know them the way you get to know people in real life. I really do think the film reflects that and watching them get to know each other, being surprised 
being taken by surprise by each other, both in good ways and sometimes horrific ways. It's, but nevertheless, yeah, nevertheless, not, yeah, not being able to dismiss those connections. It's very, very powerful. Yeah. So it's not like a typical movie where it's like, bam, okay, this is what happened. And who, this is who this person is, or these are who these people are from the get go. And you know, all of this, they, they wove the story so intricately um, and co so complexly. Is that word, a word? Complexly with great complexity. There we go. Um, <laughs> Good day. I knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah, we know what you mean. That it, it um, was very quiet and very deep, you know, um, just, and you, you couldn't do that without excellent actors uh, mm -hmm. across I the agree. board. I, I love Numi Rapace. Is that how you say her name? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And also, the only American that really starred as a big role in this was James Gandolfini. Gandolfini, right? They're all else. yeah, exactly. They all play New Yorkers, or but they're all they're all from very exotic places. You know, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it just. The acting in this movie, I thought, was really amazing. Yeah, it's a joy that way. It's a it's a little movie for a crime drama slash whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, holiday romance movie. But it it but it 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 has that quality to it. The, the great performances, playing really great, interesting characters. It's also based on a book that I haven't read, but is by a pretty renowned author i believe we should probably yeah a nice, a nice little short story a oh, short story uh, that and, makes more sense yeah short story called uh animal rescue uh written by uh dennis lehane dennis Lane, who so also wrote the screen he also wrote the screenplay that, nice well um, that's so he's in this case this can go wrong this can make a movie boring but sometimes when you take a short story and expand it into a movie you really mm -hmm you really get to have it all. You get to have this sort of expanded story plus these extra characters with that live a little bit longer in your presence um, without having to ruthlessly cut stuff out to get something within two hours. It can sometimes be boring. Sometimes a short story is a short story because the value of things about a 25-minute thing, <laughs> you stretch it out, mm -hmm. you're left with... You know, you're left with something that doesn't have a lot of taste left in it. But this film, it worked out great. The the nuances and the quiet character moments are as good, if not better, than the big dramatic moments. And I want to actually read the short story now for that reason. Well, Animal because Rescue, too. What a great... That would have been a great title for the film, honestly, even though... But it also yeah. kind of, you know, you look at that Animal Rescue. So what is this about? The Drop? They named it The Drop. It's a crime thing. The book, The Animal Rescue, it's about... The dog, you know, it's also romance. It's also this. It's also that. It's yeah. I think that's almost why the short story didn't get boring, is that it is their performance and how that goes. It's it's not okay. We have to get this done. This done. This done. It's the story. Well, Lahane, mm -hmm. you can read some of his other works if you can click on it. I mean, he's written a lot of these movies that we really, really love that are in this style and. It's not surprising that his characters are very vivid because they use that's that's where his stuff lives and breathes. I think. Yeah, I mean that he did it, he Mystic River, Gone Baby Gone, Shutter Island. Um, a really good writer from a character standpoint, in my opinion. Yep. So, um, I gotta so I gotta say I mean this is a very good movie that I did not like. 
Um, I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not a big crime drama fan. Um, it's, it's just not a genre of movie that I, I really, I get excited for. I'll watch them. And I recognize that this is a, a good film, but again, these are all not very nice characters. These are not nice people. These are not, you know, it, it's, it, you're, you're, they're all, um, uh, violently flawed. Uh, and, and, and that's fine. And there, you know, there, there, there is humanity in that, uh, uh, Tom Hardy, but like I said, it is a, it's a good movie. Um, I did, you know, it's, but it's, it's really, you know, I, I emotionally, and maybe it's just the moment, the, the day that I watched it, but every time, uh, Matthias, uh, or what is, what is his character name? Deeds or something like that. Yeah. Every time he was like, it's a nice dog you got there. Oh, that's a nice dog. Every time he talked, I was like, I it just it gave me the creeps, and I wanted to, I almost wanted to just fast forward till he's off the screen, which is probably a, a good, you know, it's a, actually maybe an indicator it's of how, how good and effective character, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, um, the, a couple things though that I wanted to mention about it is, uh, you know, it's um, Tom Hardy, yeah. I mean, people, I, I think that I think the 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 people who, uh, you know, there was a brief period of time when Tom Hardy was, you know, like when he was in Batman as Bane and when he was doing, you know, and, uh, there was a couple movies that he was in where he was always in a mask or wearing something. And, you know, and, and, and there was some criticism as to what kind of actor he was or can he actually, do. Uh, I think that ship has sailed. I think we all know that, that, that Tom Hardy is a damn fine actor. Um, and I think my favorite, one of my favorite elements of this, and, and this go, you know, this goes to director, uh, to the director, uh, uh, Mikhail Roskam, and I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, but, Sorry about uh, that. and Dennis, Lah- and Dennis Lahane on the page. Um, it's, uh, and, and the, and the other actors in it, you know, like you guys talked about, it's a very quiet performance. It's very, it's very small. It's very understated. Like you said, Shauna, he, it's, he he is deliberately living a simple life to the point where as an outsider watching this you're like is he a simpleton is he is is there you know is there is does he have some neurological some neurological challenges or whatever um but there's these little moments where other other characters are reacting to him or other actors are watching him Gandolfini especially uh, and 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 you're just like there's something there's something underneath like there's something they know that we don't well and Gandolfini is really brilliant in this aspect of the movie because he mm-hmm. on the page all he does is berate him and order him around rather ruthlessly and because this is the guy this is the one guy who's worth a damn, his sister, I think, to another degree, with those scenes are pretty mm-hmm. effective as well. But but the heart of the thing is between these two guys where he's, he's just the guy that he can order around. He can make, take the Christmas decorations down like the day after Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is just great. That's just a great economical way for you to understand where that guy's coming from. Hey, it's December 27th. Take all the mm-hmm. Santas and crap down or whatever. It's, you know, and Hardy's yeah. kind of, just goes about doing it. it. But you're right. There's more there though. There there's really a, is. Yeah. There's these always these little moments and, and like, 
and and like in the scene, and I'm not ruining anything because we've already mentioned that you know the the, the bar gets held up. There's this moment in there, and and the way Gandolfini, you know, you know, there's there's this, you know, look, you don't know whose money this is, and blah blah blah. What are you doing? And also, but he he keeps looking at Hardy, at Tom, at Tom Hardy, right. at Bob's, at Bob, like there, and 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 that was the, and I was like, there's there's something, you know, there there's something that this dude knows that we don't, um, and 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 that was that was intriguing to me, and that you know that I thought that was a great. Uh, a great little element. And the, and the one last thing that I wanted to mention, um, this was, uh, I th- it's the only time I've ever seen it and, and probably the only time it would maybe ever really fully apply, but um, the, the nasal acting of James <laughs> Gandolfini was used so wonderfully in as we get towards the climax of of the scene of it's, the movie it is second only to one other performance since you brought up the nasal acting it is second only to john malkovich and jennifer eight who has oh, the that, best yeah. nasal a- acting scene in the history of film so if we're going to just talk about that category which mm-hmm. does not come up very often yeah just want to yeah, give a quick shout out to john um, but who James, has to yeah, do James a, Gandolfini. who has to do a clever interrogation scene while having the worst cold imagine Mm-hmm. It should be funny, and, but it isn't because it's so real. Yeah, I agree with you, James. Is- but yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah, there's this. There's there's some scenes where you know people are not on. You know, there's some POV shots and some other things. But you get that classic Gandolfini in the, the way his nasal passages breathe and how yeah. you know it, the way his face is shaped. It's almost like. It's almost like a pug. It's almost like a a, a a dog where you, you know, where the way the the shape of the face, you just, you know, you, that that breathing and you and it could be nobody else breathing. And it's and it's really effectively uh, done and it, it, and, it, and it helps create this this tense, this tension at this point in the movie. And I and I just ha- and I just watched it going. You can't do that. You you might not be able to do that with any other actor but James Gandolfini. Um, Maybe not in that name. Or you know, you just have to do. You, you you certainly wouldn't be able to go conceive of a scene going. Well, what if we just do it this way? But you hear Gandolfini breathing in the background, so you know that it's <laughs> you know, so you know Mar you know Marv is there. It's an extraordinary uh, and, and performance just, by him. It's a very familiar yeah. character he's playing, and yet. It really is. It's a, some yeah. version of the same guy he always very, plays, but yeah. it it is its own thing, and it in a really wonderful way that comes to, li- to life on screen. And great, I agree. So mm-hmm. that's cool. And and there's uh, a saying. It's not really a holiday movie, other than it it does start really with the decorations being taken down. To me, that's that's just just as. Even if you like the holidays, that's a sad moment where you got to take them down. It's a chore. Putting them up is fun. Taking them down is it's sad, and it's over, and your place is less sparkly after you do it. And you know, but to do it, it's too. It's not even New Year's yet. It's to do it like two days after Christmas. So it's just for no reason. There's a yeah. saying though that oh, I should that you hear you see it in memes a lot. Like if you wanna. And I you see it in terms of dating, which this actually applies to this movie. So I'll actually say it in its most cliched way. But it's like, ladies, if you want to see how a guy's going to treat you, watch how he treats your pet. You know, watch how he treats your dog, and you'll get you, you, you clearly you don't get you can't get the whole picture from that. 
the film goes on to prove that, but but maybe that's the thing that's most important about them, and it's why the name of the short story is so awesome because mm-hmm. because that's that's where this guy should be in a more fair world. You know what I mean? It, that's that, rescuing dogs is, is what he should be doing in a way. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. I just I loved it. I, I well, loved and movie, also, but of course, I really and also you it. could argue, and also you could argue that he is an animal in need of rescuing as well. I was going to say that too. They all. Oh, are I'm sorry. Really... Oh, I should have let you. I should have let you as our guests. I should have let you have that awesomeness. Oh, I, no, no, I no, got no. caught. Up, I got caught up in my beard, in my was... beard stroking the you know condescension. I was um, going. I was going to say I appreciated the theatrical performance. not quite so but uh animal rescue he's basically keeping himself in purgatory you know by deliberately deliberately by you know i did this so many years ago and i did it and i have to live with it and so i'm gonna have the most simple life and try not to do anything bad again you know not be put into a situation where i do anything bad don't have relationships, so I don't do anything bad. And uh, I mean, the dog got rescued, but he got rescued too. Mm-hmm. It is, it's interesting, animal res- rescue, fascinating. Yeah, yep. it's, um, uh, yeah, it is, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's like you said, it's a small movie, uh, like Ryan said, it's a yeah. small movie, it, uh, small budget um, only, and it made back its money and then some, you know, turned a profit, but it was, it was a small movie. It's, it's still a um, lot of movie was, that most, the vast majority of people have never even heard of. And it, it is worth yeah, checking and out. It's, 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 yeah, especially if you, if you like crime dramas, if you, if, if that's a genre film, you do get excited about. It's, um, yeah, it's this, hard to, this it's is hard to recommend one. it to people who like romances, even if, if that is an important part of it. It really Which is a crime is, drama yeah. and it, and it really that just does prove the point. Yeah, that if you, you know, think yeah, it right, it, if you think you've seen them all, this one does some things that are different, and new, that are really pretty cool. Yeah, very good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, all right, so we've had these two men who, for whatever reason, ha- uh, made decisions that their life would be better if they were unencumbered and isolated and stayed, uh, stayed very, uh, you know, stayed an island, as we have mentioned before. Our third uh, and final film of Movie Club Christmas has a, uh, an, a woman who has decided for various reasons um, that she needs to be living a lifestyle of very isolated, very, very closed off, very uh, unattached. Um, and that well, in this is, case, reasons uh, that were thrust upon her that were thrust upon her magical right. uh, reasons uh, that defy reason and that is uh 2015's uh the age of adeline and um with uh let's see we have um uh blake lively and michael huisman kathy baker ellen burston uh ellen burston and um okay. and then um, with an and with a newcomer named Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. And a, so, and a kid um, they plucked off the internet that looks exactly like he did when he was in his 20s. <laughs> it's and found it. uncanny. That was crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, Age of Adeline. Uh, yeah, as you said for, you know, magic, it is a, this one is a, uh, I, I like that this, this description that I, I see here is a, it describes it as a romantic fantasy film. 
Um, and that, it's and I not. A, I would accurate. never have thrust a romantic comedy upon Shauna, but I thought romantic fantasy. It it really does have a lot of cheesy romance novelness to it. I won't lie, but it it's got something more. So it's kind of like our last movie in a way. There's a formula here, but there's I thought there's some surprises and some interesting things. Mm-hmm. Throughout, who wants to do the setup one? I'm getting a little sick of the sound of my own voice. There we go, Shana. Uh, so I'm going to carefully trip along the uh, an explanation of the movie <laughs> of the plot because it, it you know there are things that will spoil it. So I'm sure. going to try to be careful about that and be pretty high level. So this is a story about uh, Blake Lively's uh, character Adeline, um, who. Uh, at the age of 29, got into a car accident. And a snowy I, one. Yeah, a snowy one. Can I just tell a little bit again what happened with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I think you have to. Well, I mean, I yeah. think you have to say what this movie is and its premise, but or you can't really it talk and, about it. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, anyway, she got into this car accident, and at the same time, the car was struck by lightning, which created some scientific with a lot of fake scientific mumbo jumbo uh, (laughs) explaining that we won't know what really happened until like the year 2032 or something like that. (laughs) I'll be looking Uh, forward to that. Right. Right. I'm, I'm waiting for the day. So, um, so when that happened, it caused her to stop aging. So she spent 80 years living the age of 29 um and she had had a daughter prior to the accident so during that time the daughter ages and she's really the daughter is really the only person that she's close to at all she it sounds like you know lives for a period of time that it would be believable that she looks that old and then she packs up camp and moves constantly um uh, basically to avoid becoming a curiosity and becoming, you know, famous to everybody. Or worse, becoming a right. science experiment. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a romance, romance um, and it tells, the story is about how she finally meets a man that she grows to love, I guess, enough that she's considering to stop, you know, stop her life and and stop it right there. So we can kind of go from there because I want to be careful not to say anything more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard because when you tell who the some of the characters are, that will spoil it. Yeah, yeah. You know? So um, I'm going to let you guys decide how far we're going to go into that discussion. <laughs> um. There's just the reason this movie's on this list is there's one of my favorite. There's, of course, there's a handful of really good ones when Harry Met Sally has one. Um, this is just one of my favorite New Year's sequences in it, uh, in all of movies. It's just something about it. It, it. The First of all, Age of Adeline is a beautiful movie. It's just this beautiful, warmly lit, picturesque, detailed thing. You know, this weird, this old it takes place in present day, but this old hotel that she spends new year's in where she meets this guy, the guy who sort of recomplicates her life again. It, the whole sequence is just glorious. Like a, just like a movie. It's like a cinematographer's dream. I think, I mean, I just really think it's a beautiful film, even though it is 
it, it, even though the idea is pretty corny, I think these actors do a really, really good job wrestling it. The scenes in particular with, with Blake Lively, who's, I've always sang her praises, and she's a big reason why I like this. I can't remember who, they cast somebody else in this originally, and then she kind of had to come in at the last second. Not totally last second, but she wasn't Hollywood's first choice to carry a movie because Blake doesn't exactly open movies, even though I think she really does a really, really good job in roles like these. But that relationship, and why I thought Shauna might like, is that relationship between mother and daughter in this film is really vivid and real and cool, and yet it's just really weird because it's reversed physically and from what you see and even a little bit emotionally imagine even though you've lived a life and have the wisdom of a 90 year old or whatever you still your your daughter is still aging and reaching the end of her life right in front of you while you still look 29 and the way they interact i think is really really interesting as a result of that and that all happens kind of early in the film for the most part um I think the guy, there's an aspect that uh, Joel, I'm sure, notices. We, we might have too, Shauna. But it, it, there's an aspect that the guy is this sort of, he just, he gets sort of gobsmacked by her. Huseman, Michael, or I don't know if it's Michael, spelled Michael. He's a Dutch actor. It's, you guys know him from Game of Thrones probably primarily, but he's in all kinds of stuff. He's He's utilized in this role what I call the, the reverse pixie dream girl role, you know, in an old movie, this movie, in an older movie, this would be about a guy and this magical woman would come along that would change everything for them. Uh, it's hard to find a guy who could do that in reverse. Most guy movie stars aren't good at knowing their place in a story that's secondary to a female. It's just a hard balance that you have to strike. He's a little annoying in that he falls in love at first sight to some degree, and she is determined. She believes it is impossible for her to have a relationship with somebody. It's not just that she doesn't want to go through the pain of losing people, which she's had this long life of doing. She's lost more people generationally than we all have because she's lived longer. And, But he's like... I don't know, he's this old school kind of Mr. Persistent, right? Am I, you know, like he should back off at some point in the story. And 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 the story doesn't work if he does. So he's he's hung out there a little bit. It's my least favorite part of it. Once our characters get beyond that, I think it comes back to life a little bit. But that is a tough part of Age of Adeline. Yeah. Uh, Toughest it, for it, me anyway, it's it was impossible for me. You could I I, <laughs> I couldn't I could not get past it. I mean, I I recognize that it's necessary uh for for that you know for the for the third act to happen and the third act is pretty darn fun. Yeah, it's I pretty agree. it it's it's got some good excitement. It's got some good drama and um it's uh but um but this dude uh was gross. Ellis yeah, yeah, yeah. is gross. I think by the uh, way is, we view things, I mean, again, this is, character is not, he's, we've seen him a hundred thousands of even times in mm -hmm. films. And we're taught even as kids that you just never give up on your dream or all this, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, but again, the, again, he's, you know, he is total, uh, you know, smitten with her and everything, but it's, uh, it's gross. He, you know, his, his like, I'm going to donate these rare books or, but you know, I'm not, you know, if you, Oh, you won't let me take your picture. Well, then I'll just take my books and go. I'm going to, you know, I, and, and it's like, well, I'm going to, 
well, well then let me take you out to dinner. No. Uh, and well, then I guess I'll just, I guess yeah. I'll just uh, take all these rare things that will make, you know, that will, you know, that will make your job great. Uh, you know, and, go, and, and it's like, you're gross leave dude. And then he goes to, he's like, and then she like, there's a, there's a, again, there's another dog. There's a little dog plot in here and, and it's, yeah. it's wonderfully done. Um, and, uh, 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 and, 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 you know, but, and of course, like literally every time she walks into her apartment, her phone is ringing because this dude is stalking her. And then finally she's out on the street at trying to just clear her head after, after, you know, some sadness and, and there he is. And she's like, what do you, what, what are you doing? And he's like, well, how did you find my address? Well, I got it from the library. You know, it's like, it's like, dude, you're creepy. You're creepy. Go away. It- and does, it was, does, does this movie oh, have source material as well as it based on a book? It sure feels like it is. Um, let me see here. Uh, I'm not seeing anything based on. Um, no, but yeah, it was gross. Uh, I, and it made it it made it impossible for me to. Uh, uh, I just it was uh, a, the whole thing. A, a smarter movie really... that was more in step with how we react to each other these days, and just how we should be as people would have softened that greatly. Would have brought them together more by circumstance rather than his dogged persistence, which is right. which is which goes right. way too far. Joel is right. I mean, there's no question. Uh, it it goes way too far, and also. It is it, it go like you said. You this is uh, you know your your definition of manic pixie dream girl uh, thing, but in reverse, it's sort of reverse. Yet the guy still feels like she's a possession. Yeah, like yeah. The, the guy still feels bit. like he can he can possess her, and and that was gross. Uh, and, That's not and, really like, in evidence, but it does feel that way. I agree. The movie makes you feel um, that way. So. And 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 that's what what the problem of the third act for me was too. Uh, and, and there's, you know, there's lots of interesting things that happen in the third act, but uh, one of the complications that happens uh, in that third act, again, it feels like, it feels like, but you know, that this was something that was mine. She was mine. And, and it was like, come on, man. I never no, thought of that, is... but you're right. I forgot. He, he more or less says that out loud. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Michael so Huseman. that, that that really that and 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 that was a, that was the bridge too far for me. Uh, again, Ryan, you're right about everything. It's beautifully shot. Blake Lively. I, I guess I you know I never I, I haven't. The only thing that maybe I've seen with Blake Lively in it is the travel the uh, uh, the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. No, you've seen the um, town. Remember her in the oh town? the town. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll give think it, yeah. of what this character so, is and what that character is, and you get this sense of of really what she's capable of because the, right. the um, skank she plays in the town is the saddest sort of most mm-hmm. pathetic thing that you can imagine. And, and she really plays the, the ugliness of that without mm-hmm. losing track of that character's humanity. And this, she's playing this glamorous kind of yeah, beautiful, it, the camera loves her. And yet she still has to bring some real vulnerability and, and to, for it to be interesting at all. And I think she does a pretty great job. And I think she, and, and, and I think she was, I, I think what I, what I, cause I liked her, but there was something that was, um, I, as I was watching it going, boy, it, it's something, um, not off isn't even the right word. It's just something. And I, and I'm I, halfway through, I'm like, I think it's that there's this element of, she's trying to, make you know she's a product of like 19 you know of the 19 
twenties essentially is when she would have come to, you know, become a person. Yeah. Her, I believe her character was born in 1908. Um, Did you buy so, you in know, Shauna to her character at all? Not really. I didn't like this movie and it was because of Lake Lively. <laughs> I thought she was flat. I thought she was really, really flat. Um, I think that, sorry to come down hard on her. I like mm-hmm. Lake Lively and I like her in other things, but this relied so much on beauty. I love yeah. the cinematography, but it was with her yes, too. It is. She's beautiful, no doubt, but she's flat. There's, you know, there's absolutely nothing interesting about her really as a person that a guy would fall in love that hard with. Or wouldn't be able to take a no from an answer for her. Uh, or, is a good point. Even, I agree with Joel on that, but even besides that, what was so darn exciting about her that people just, you know, guys loved her immediately because she was unattainable and she was beautiful. I found her really mopey. That is all it takes sometimes for guys. We are pretty stupid. Well, I am not disputing that at all, but (laughs) (laughs) I have to say you do have some brains. I would hope you would not... You know, I don't know. It just her watching her act. I almost couldn't finish the film. Mm. Um, and just, you know, this unrelentless after her, after her. And she's just mopey and her voice, you know, I just, and when she would talk to her daughter and her daughter would call her, hi, honey. I mean, you're talking to your daughter. I get it you're older than she is, but now she's older than you are, but she's not five. Right, you know, right, right. while she's talking to her mm-hmm. like five, everything about her voice and her mannerisms really felt completely flat with me. And I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's an interesting enough storyline, mm-hmm. but but a couple of deal breakers in there to not really make. Yeah. Good I, I, and, and and to to piggyback on what you're saying, Shauna, I I mean, because like I yeah, I mean I I, I may, maybe it's flat, maybe that flatness is what I was uh, feeling too. Um, whatever it is, the term I, I would like, use is aloof, which it, which she really is. I mean, I think that's I think there's a an effort to make her that way, not just by the actor, but definitely by the actor. It's an aloofness, and and she is always sort of performing for people, so you're not dealing with a person who's very honest or, you know, I sort of get that. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely what's going and, on. And, um, you know, and, um, and so she, uh, it's, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, crap. Ah! Sorry, Joel. Ah! Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Flatness. You were talking about her being from a different era is how you described it. Yeah. Is, were you yeah. getting back to that? But the, the parts that are supposed oh, to be so enlightening, she wasn't it, it she wasn't real during those parts it just the same kind of flatness followed through i don't know it wasn't like you oh okay you know she's really aloof and all of that i don't know i don't know yeah um so we have so the movie as, as ryan mentioned uh originally it was katherine heigl and then um and then actually after katherine heigl uh dropped out uh, it was uh, offered to Natalie Portman, mm. um, 
And, and I, I now, you know, when we're talking about that, I'm like, I'm curious as to, I, that, that to me might, I would have been curious to see what uh, an actor of, with the toolbox of Natalie Portman would have done done with it and we know that natalie portman can carry a film i think that's an element here that you know maybe blake lively is not uh is not someone who can can shoulder uh or at least in this material um maybe isn't isn't someone that can can you know maybe she's best in a uh a supporting role of some kind or a, you know, or it's something where she doesn't have to shoulder the entire burden of a, of a film. Well, herself. you definitely feel her let loose in those supporting roles. I mean, in a way that on her TV show and other yeah. places where she really doesn't. So that there's some, but so, I think there's something true to that of all actors. I think if you give them the chewier, got to make an impression quicker, you know, are uh, obstacle for the hero type of characters, they, they all tend to, hit it running a little bit more you know but mm -hmm. but you're not i don't think you're wrong about that um it goes to how she was directed as well you know well uh, the film like i say the camera really is doing all the work it is a beautiful movie but it but maybe yeah. that's not a it maybe that's not enough i mean you know or at least at a certain point that's not enough if there isn't some sort of like you say evolution to her tone or whatever i didn't mind the perform i mean i like blake a lot i liked her in this because i is she is playing this very careful very reserved very held back person and i felt like that's there happening it's i didn't i didn't get that she was flat but i do but i do respect the idea that you know that somewhere along the line, you got to kind of grow out of that. The movie doesn't really require her to, and she doesn't really do it. We, we see those characters in the drop. Right. Right. Reveal themselves to mm -hmm. us. That's an extremely satisfying thing from a, even in a sad story or even when bad things happen, it's a very satisfying thing cinematically. Whereas this is a very staid and formal and reserved and pretty thing, like a ceremony I, of a film. And yeah. I don't feel like Adeline ever really reveals herself to us. Right. And you know, yeah, and we only so see we, episodically what it's been like for her, what she's been going through. It really mm -hmm. does, you know. We see the the origin incident, which is kind of an amazingly cool looking sequence. It gets the movie off to a good start, and we get these episodic little breaks in time where we see these her starting to get revealed, her starting to understand what her nature is and stuff. Those are more interesting than juggling the relationships we, that come later in the film, I guess. We talked during about a boy about voiceovers. Uh, this movie has uh, an, uh, has voiceovers throughout as well. Yeah. Um, do we? Uh, I I the voiceovers bothered me. Those disem. Um, I mean, I, they didn't me because I thought they were had some sort of interesting poetry to it, and because the guy had some perspective on it i guess but i'm with you this is a voice of god style voiceover think of mm -hmm. a more famous movie would be the book thief which is turns out to spoiler alert for the book thief but i'm taking a break so you can mute me or something but it turns out is the voice of god which is one of the most cloying stupid things in all the movies but the but this is that it's in that style it's a narrator who's musing yes. on things and it is kind of i don't mind it because a lot of movies have that but that's a very old-fashioned thing too. It's a very old-fashioned film. Mm -hmm. um, and and to me, I you know, I, 
not i mean yeah i i guess i don't i i i did not see the this i it, to me it did not aside from what you said of yeah there was some interesting prose in there um the way it was written and the, the description of the the quote-unquote science of it um, could you lift it but, out of there and have it not change the story at all because we would find out along with her eventually yeah it's a good point that might have created the interest that that the voiceover makes mm -hmm. it makes unnecessary, I guess, you know, so. Yeah. And, and, and so look, think about the very last, let's think about the very last time you see Blake Lively in this film, what she's doing, what she's holding in her hand without spoiling anything. Um, and, and, and the realization that she makes at the very end of the film about herself. And what if it just went to black there? And instead, we get this extended, uh, this extended voiceover explaining to us what has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I'm like, no, it, you 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 lost this. You lost uh, a a really wonderful little little moment by by Blake Lively uh, of this great little this great little reaction to um, to what she's discovered about herself. And um, it's uh, yeah. And, and yeah, so again, this we've was, said it before. A, the lesson is if you can guys, if you can do your movie without a voiceover, do it without the voiceover. Mm -hmm. Maybe you yeah. can't fair enough, but if you can, mm -hmm. if you, if you, at least at some point try getting rid of it and see what happens. It's a good lesson that this film sort yeah. of maybe demonstrates more than most. Yeah. I also think with the voiceover, sometimes, I mean, the less intrusive they are, they're yeah. not quite as bad, but the scientific explaining about the end event um, was just too much. 900 volts of blah, 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 and yeah, yeah, science, yeah. science, science. It's like, this isn't even true science. Mm -hmm. We don't need all these details. You're totally taking away from the best scene she had at the end. It's why it feels yeah. like a book to me, because I, I really feel like that stuff is what you would find in a book. And in a book, it'd be great. Right. Uh, it, you know, um, it, you know, you know, it just occurred to me. And this movie was what, 2004, 15. When was, you know, it, it, it reminded me of the voice. Do you guys remember the TV show Pushing Daisies? Mm -hmm. with lee pace and stuff like that and it had yeah. jim dale doing voiceover yeah. and i only know that because jim dale did all the audiobooks of harry potter and for uh in, in america here mm -hmm. uh and 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 it was yeah and again it was this omnipotent narrator right um or omniscient whatever it's called um pushing daisies is narrator. six seven years earlier so yeah, okay yeah so so it, it felt like the, it, it felt that that tone, that style of a clever narrator that is, you know, that is, can, and the tone of it is is very uh, of is a very matter of fact. And this is what happened, and and it's not, you know, it's and this is this is just how you know, it almost again, like you said, makes it feel like a book, makes it feel like a bedtime story, right? And and maybe that's the tone they were going for. I'm sure that it is was not a mistake, but I like I say, whether mm -hmm. that's welcome or not is another matter entirely. It felt yeah. incongruent with the the movie. Yeah. For me. yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Age of Adeline. 
I mean, there's some. It's not. It's not a movie no, no. without uh, you know without any redeeming qualities. There's there even the like, parts that are yeah, objectionable. I mean, you can cope with it, but it, it it really is a lovely like romance with a capital R. Like truly, it's a heavy-handed yeah. film, but. If you can get past the creepiness of how they initially get together, uh, which I could All not, but, uh, of the extortion others. and blackmail involved in him actually getting her to go out oh. on a date. Oh. Guys, hey, those days are over. Those days are over. There are, you got, I mean, you got a bold gesture in you, then my hat's off to you, but that's it. You take your shot and then, mm-hmm. and then acceptance and respect. And then fall and back the, on those yeah. things. You can react in the privacy of your home. Believe me, I've been there. However you want, your actions around other people are what you're going to be remembered for. And mm-hmm. you can't go wrong with acceptance and respect. That's my little correct. Tip of the day too. And yeah, yeah. And 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 don't make your, you know, don't shoot your last shot with and then come to my apartment for dinner. <laughs> yeah, but that it turns uh, out whatever. You're right. Anyway, uh, okay. Can't so let's that. let's palate cleanse here. Let's let's cleanse our palate here uh, um, of Ellis. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, please. Um, the last thing about Age of Adeline, we couldn't talk about the biggest thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. Because it would totally spoil it. The biggest but coincidence that, has, that happens is that what you mean? Right. Yeah. And it is, you know, if you enjoy this movie for reasons that you know, we didn't enjoy it, but whatever. You might really like that and find it interesting. It's a big plot point that we had to dance around, but yeah, we yeah. didn't address that. It is, it's, mm-hmm. it's important. It, it's and- one of the more rewarding areas of the movie, honestly. It's where the movie really re- re- recaptures its human element in a lovely way. And it's mm-hmm. nice. Like it's contrived, but it is nice. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, yeah, there's the third act uh, until and, until and, the and, it was mine speech comes and then it gets ruined again. Oh, I, guess. I forgot yeah, all about but, um, that. That is too bad. That is too mm-hmm. bad because if if you could have moved beyond the the cliche of the guy never giving up and not had that sort of tone come back into the movie, you might have been way better off. I forgot mm-hmm. all about that. Hey, what it did for me <laughs> really is yeah. awful. Uh, <laughs> I guess um, I'm just. I've seen these kind of films so many times that I'm like, oh, it's this kind of movie. And I just kind of uh, roll with it, you know. Yep. It, it wants to make um, you feel warm and romantic and, you know, amazed and whatever. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give it the benefit it's, of the doubt. But. You know, yeah, and it's two, it's two gorgeous people uh, being yeah. romantic. You know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, two, they're two just stunning people to look at. Um, so... Uh, yeah. So okay. So these were three films that uh, had Christmas or holiday elements to them, uh, but certainly were not um, were not Christmas films. Uh, we, we did. We you know Ryan was nice enough to give us uh, another little homework assignment. Yeah, Ryan's Ryan's got some uh, a, late. Ryan's got an extra light, coming yeah, in on my face. A light a light filter coming in. Um, oh, if you do that, if you, you lean forward a little bit, it gives you a, a a light or not maybe just tip your head. There it is. You got a little a little Gorbachev going with light on your forehead. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but we will uh, bury you. Oh, that's Khrushchev. <laughs> that's Khrushchev. Um, uh, I I like to always say like the unheard quote of Gorbachev uh, would have been like, okay, I'll tear down the wall. Fine. Um, Whatever. 
I have no problem with that. Um, but we wanted to talk about um, what like some of our favorite Christmas moments are in film. They could be from a non-Christmas film. I actually approached it from what my favorite Christmas moments in non-Christmas films. That's fine. That's kind of how uh, I posed the question, but it, it can be. I, so I, I, I limited it, but it could be from a Christmas film too. Really. It's what are the, <laughs> those big holiday moments? You know, there's a few that I really dig too. What, what were, what one came to mind, Joel, you, had it on the tip of your tongue there. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, mine were, I had three actually that, that came, uh, that, that popped up uh, as I, as I thought about it. The, the, one of my favorites is the first time Harry gets a gift for Christmas in the first Harry Potter movie. Um, I thought, it, I thought Which, it was, when was uh, that? Real, this was uh, Harry oh, Potter. That was and, in the very uh, first yeah, Harry Potter movie. The when very he's, first, he's stuck there and, and he, and the Weasleys send something along for him. Right. He gets a he gets a sweater with an H on it, and that, right. that was knit by that, that was knit by Ron's mom, and yep. it's like, and in in his like I've never gotten you know it, it, that that moment it, it was a it's a it's a really lovely moment, well yeah, executed yeah. by by Rad you know Daniel Radcliffe, and it's just a, it's just a little joyous moment of this kid who has been. You know, and, and you know, we, we talked about when we talked about the Harry Potter films that wish fulfillment of discovering you're a wizard and all these magical things open for you. And this is a this is a, a slightly more grounded moment, that, but no less a magical. Great moment in the library where she says she only she's only interested in you because she thinks you're the chosen one. And he goes, yeah. but I am the chosen one. <laughs> And yeah. Hermione slaps him on the yeah. head with whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, the other moment that uh, is one of my favorite moments is the Christmas scene in Better Off Dead, where John Cusack's character Lane is getting TV dinners for every single present because he oh, yeah, expressed yeah, yeah. one time how much he liked That's he right. liked getting corn in seasoned salt and so literally they just get him tv dinners uh for for christmas and and john cusack's great deadpan john cusack just dead face just like as and and i can never remember the woman who plays his mother in that movie just no going, but she's Ooh. She makes oh, an impression. I remember you saying you liked corn and seasoned salt, and 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 so uh, yeah, that's a that's a and that's a joke that I literally make every every year at Christmas is going. Oh, I hope this is a TV dinner. <laughs> yeah, I hope this is corn and seasoned salt. Um, but my favorite, I think my favorite Christmas moment. There's because it's actually a a recurring um, thing that happens throughout this movie. Uh, in a non-Christmas movie is in the movie Catch Me If You Can. Mm. Um, every time Frank calls, um, Tom, every time Leonardo DiCaprio's character calls Tom Hanks's character yep. uh, uh, to, to, talk, uh, to talk on Christmas. And then also the, the time when he, leading up to the time when, when Frank uh, goes to his mother's house and is watching Christmas through the window and then is recaptured by the by the police. It's this it's beautiful and heartbreaking and um, and and just it has always been something that just stays with me for some. I remember the first time I saw that movie, that was the, him looking through the window and, and, and seeing the Christmas scene at the, you know, that was going on inside. It was this, it was this really lovely moment. And I think, I, I think that I would say that that is my, uh, 
that, that was that's my favorite Christmas moment from a non-Christmas film. Yeah, it's, and it's set up like you say that it happens incrementally. So mm-hmm. uh, and all of the moments are wonderful, and that's and that it builds to this thing. It's 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 that yeah. Catch Me If You Can is spectacularly good filmmaking for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Shana, you? what about you? Sorry, you can see my husband just got home with the groceries. <laughs> yeah, good, good Yay, timing. Groceries, woohoo! Yep. yep. Dinner is really a big deal around here. We're having a clam bake tonight. Yeah. So. <gasps> yep. So. You know, this was a real nice clam bake. This was. I used to know the. I used to. I used That's to know the lyrics to that theater song. joke. It's okay that you yep. didn't get that. Okay. Thanks, guys. No worries. Uh, but so, it would be nice if you played uh, this was a real fine clan bake, which I believe is the name clan bake, yeah. uh, clan uh, bake. like on YouTube or something after you have yours tonight. It'll be a great way to cap it off. Uh, so yeah. my again, my favorite Christmas movie is Bad Santa. I think I said this last year. Mm-hmm. And um, for all of its inappropriateness, uh, there's really a good message there, which I love. And um i think my favorite scene is when uh uh, billy bob thornton's character is in the middle of this heist and he (laughs) is getting the elephant for the boy um i just you know the end there and, and the relationship between santa and the boy um just and mrs santa's sister they, you know, it's all, it, it's, it's people like we've talked about today, the drop, this not, I mean, people not living a very good version of their lives, but still found each other. And there's, you know, that's kind of the feel good side of the drop. Yeah. There's, <laughs> like. there's hope in that. There's hope. Yes. At the end. Yeah. And we, then, the movie doesn't even show you the hope, but it, it shows you somebody else seeing it come alive in their eyes, which is, the more powerful choice and is very, very cool. So I like that. Yeah. So well, my favorite, I'll keep this short so the clam bake can commence, but the, my favorite uh, holiday sequence in a movie, or it's maybe not my favorite, but a favorite that I love every time without question. And it's not a moment. It's a sequence, but it's the Yule ball in Harry Potter and the goblet of fire. Holy that's And the reason I love it's not so much that it's holiday related. It's the school dance aspect of it. All that teen melodrama going on amongst characters that we don't even know. That sense of what that was like is captured so beautifully and honestly in this high fantasy film in a way that I just find adorable every time I watch it. I just feel it. So I just remember... I remember being that awkward and being that clueless and you know what I mean? And it, it's, it's really, really fun. And the movie that I I should have picked, and if I had, we'd have had three winners instead of poor age Adeline, which got, I'm going to say D plus maybe. Is that, are we all cool with that? Um, (laughs) uh, is this film that came out a few years ago called Carol. And the movie starts with, um, uh, Rooney Mara is working at a, she's a aspiring photographer. The film takes place in New York and she's working the counter at the toy section of the, um, department store. And in the late fifties department stores in Manhattan. And there's something about this whole sequence. Like it's not just the moment, although the interpersonal moments between her and this woman she meets played by Kate Blanchett are 
kind of incredible for, and it just shows you that you can not say hardly anything and there still be something there. It doesn't have to be flat just because it's not on the page. It really is these, this magical thing that everyone came to collaborate on. And, um, and just that I have, I don't want to be, you know, I, we, we all can keep Christmas alive in our hearts and in our own ways and God bless us all, everyone going forward. But there is that, there is a, glamour to it there's a something about that era the era when almost every christmas song you know was written the era when the baby boomers were all children and the train sets in the in the windows were these magical things and they were these tickets to an incredible different world and of course carol itself i'm not want to sell it as a miracle of christmas movies couldn't be further from that but but this, there's a romantic way that these two people come together, even if their journey is harrowing and difficult and tragic even. There's a, there, it, it, it's really, really neat. It's really, really neat moment. So I just, I just leave it at that. There's, there's something where all the elements are working to get you on, off the launching pad of what the movie ends up being. So I, Carol's a film I highly recommend you checking out. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it for uh, for the movie show with Joel and Ryan for this year. Uh, this is our final episode. We're going to take a couple weeks off for the holidays, and um, and 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 we'll come back in 2022. And of course, we got exciting shows uh, already lined up for for when we come back. Uh, of course, we have the you know the 2021 recap show, everyone's favorite. They mark it on their calendars and they uh, <laughs> make sure to listen to that. Maybe it'll um, only be one show this year. Maybe it'll be two. Maybe we're going to be kicking um, things off a couple of weeks into January with our alternate Oscars from 2020. Yep, well, which uh, we'll, started out I thought as a great Oscars, Joel, and then the ending of it just it just. Ah, it's one of the most mm -hmm. awkward and terrible things in broadcast television history. It's not, it's not Steve Harvey terrible, but it's really, really <laughs> bad. And uh, and that'll be that'll be fun. So yeah, I'll give you something to look forward to. Yep. Uh, all right. So yeah, you have thoughts on Christmas? Hey, share with us your favorite um, Christmas moments from a non-Christmas film. Maybe we'll uh, do a TikTok about it. It's possible. May, yeah, you know what? I promised. I, here's my solemn, my Christmas promise to you: is I will do at least one or two TikTok posts uh, while we are on this break. Um, and uh, you can uh, reach out to us, of course, at the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook, uh, at Ask Joel and Ryan on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, and of course, uh, you can, uh, re if you're watching this, uh, the video feed on YouTube, like and subscribe. And of course, give us a sub subscribe and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your fine podcast content. Um, and uh, so that is going to do it for us for this week. Shauna, once again, thank you so much for joining us. So grateful for your perspective and, and, everything you bring to the show, Sean. A Merry Thank Christmas. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.